Good morning, Reach Church. All right, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can head out now. Now, I hope you all had a good Christmas. Um, We are kind of concluding Christmas here uh, with one last sermon in our Engage series. And uh, related to the Christmas season, uh, this whole season is about kind of, Randy keeps mentioning it, I keep neglecting it, Uh, the Advent season where we're kind of entering into waiting for Jesus to come. And that generations and generations waited for Jesus to come. And 2,000 years ago, we celebrate Christmas when he did come. He came the first time. Now, we can't really enter into that, that waiting fully because uh, we celebrate it every year. We already know it came. And so this kind of conclusion today, uh, we're going to look at the second advent, the second coming of the Lord with the hope that as we engage with the mission, we are called to engage with uh, the fact that Jesus Christ is coming, that he's coming again. And when we, when we have that in view, the mission becomes, uh, becomes essential, that the, the needs and worries of this life kind of pass away before the, that day, the day of the Lord, that Jesus' return. And it also gives us power to, to actually do the the mission, because we know that there are things ahead of us that we don't have to cling to this world and this life, that there are, there are better things ahead of us, and that we engage in the mission with those things in mind. So Jesus, when he speaks to his disciples about the, his second coming, he, he offers them words of comfort and says, yes, there will be troubles, there will be things that will, will tempt your heart to, to despair and to, to fall into sorrow, but Believe, believe in three things. Believe in the fact that Jesus left to prepare a place for us. Believe that he is coming again and believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So those three things we're going to look at, uh, how to engage in the mission of Jesus by engaging in his second coming. So let's turn to John 14, verses 1 through 6. John 14, verses 1 through 6. Now, this is just after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He says that one of his his followers will betray him. He says that Peter will deny him. And in the midst of all that, after all of that, he says this to his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, You do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the words of comfort that he offers. We thank you that he is coming again. And Father, we ask that we would not let our hearts be troubled because we really do believe. We believe that he left for a purpose, that he's coming, 
and we believe in, in who he is. Father, would you, would you push that belief deeper into our hearts? Would you let it flow out of our lives? And Father, would you let it um, focus our lives on the mission that you've given us? We long to bring you glory and praise and worship for all that you've done and for all that you are. So would you shape our lives uh, that we may do that? Uh, even, even right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Jesus uh, enters in knowing that his disciples, they are going to have temptations to, to sorrow and to, to have the, their hearts be troubled as they engage with the mission of nothing but Jesus. That because they are following Jesus, they are opening themselves up to, to sorrow and to troubles. And these things are actually not even, not just troubles in general, not just sorrow in general, but a special set of, of sorrow and troubles because of their love for Jesus Christ, because of their relationship with him. Because they're invested in him and the fact that they have to watch him be crucified, the fact that though they long to be with him, he ascends into heaven. They have trouble because they, as missionaries, as apostles, that as they tell people about Christ, they, they are persecuted, they are exiled, they are rejected because of their faith in Christ. That in obedience, they are called to, to embrace sorrows, to pick up the cross, to, to follow Jesus into places of, of trouble. And so Jesus, to prepare them for that, because they will be on mission, he gives them this encouragement. And the reality is that as we, as we follow Jesus, as we, are, as we are invested in the mission that he has given us, our hearts are tempted to, to despair. Now, last week we talked about the, the blessedness that comes in Jesus because we know that the blessedness of the world is given up as we follow Jesus, that we willingly offer it up for the sake of having more joy in Christ. And we're reminded, okay, then, don't let our hearts be troubled. And he puts before us his, his second coming. Now, I just want to remind you, okay, uh, we often talk about how, how much Jesus has done. And he's done amazing things. He has saved us. He has died for us. He has risen to life with us. That, that in the Spirit, by the Spirit, we are connected to him. We are united to him in heaven. That part of us is, is truly there. But... In talking about that, we can forget that there actually is a whole second stage to all of this. And we often feel like, well, yeah, if, if sin is defeated, why do I still sin so much? Because it hasn't finally been defeated. Jesus hasn't come and defeated it yet. And we look around the world and we're saying, oh, well, Jesus is supposed to be redeeming all this stuff. Yeah, but his kingdom hasn't fully come. He hasn't come riding on that white, white horse to victory yet. And we say, you know, I, I feel distant from Jesus, or I feel like this isn't everything it should be. It's because it's not yet. It really isn't. The second coming hasn't come. There's a day to come that, that is going to be far greater than Christmas, the day of the Lord. That his second coming is going to be more glorious than his first. And so we, we, we do recognize that there's temptation for our hearts to be troubled until that day. And so what does Jesus say to his disciples and therefore to us? He tells us to believe. 
Believe in the Father and believe also in me. Now, I like that it's, it's not just believe in the fact that I'm coming. No, it's, it's, more, it's, it's believe in, in Jesus. It's trust in his person and trust in, in him. Not just putting our faith in doctrines or in, in the gospel in this general way. No, we're putting our faith in Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Trusting that he's going to make all wrongs right. He's going to, to do something that's going to ensure that our hearts are never troubled again. We're trusting in his person. We're trusting in who he is. And he says then that because of who he is and we trust him, he's going to do three things. And the first of these three things is he's going to leave and prepare a place for us. Verse 2. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? All right. Part of the sorrow of, of living in this life and following Jesus is that we love Jesus and he is away from us. That, that is one of the, the things that, that tempted the disciples to despair. Is they were away from him when he died. They were away from him when, when he ascended. And there's this temptation to despair that he's gone. Why would he leave us here? Why would he leave? Now, uh, a story related to this. Uh, now, when, when Casey and I were, were dating, we were in, in college, and we got back from winter break. So we got back from the break that, that some of you are on right now. It's probably six weeks long, and we hadn't seen each other. Now, I get back to school, and I don't see Casey. I don't see her probably for a week. And, and she, gets, she gets progressively more and more angry as she, like, tries to hang out with me, and I keep having all of these excuses, like, well, you know, I'm, I have to work, I have to catch up with... Uh, with my work here, I have to catch up with my friends. I have so much stuff to do. And she wanted to be with me. I wasn't there. Now, if that's the whole story, then I'm a jerk, and I, I, <laughs> I neglected Casey. All right, what was I doing? I was actually getting the proposal ready. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was the planning. And so she's getting more and more angry. And what do I just want to tell her? Like, no, I... There's a good reason. Please settle down. I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. Just the opposite. All right. That's the case with Jesus, too. All right. Yes. Yes, he's away. And we're so tempted to despair. But, like, there's a joy behind uh, being away from him. And it's actually the exact same reason that Jesus has. He's, he's preparing the proposal. He proposed, and now he's preparing for, for the wedding. So you might knighted to us forever. That's what the language here, the language here of, of uh, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you I go to prepare a place for you? Uh, first of all, we don't see how those two ideas are connected. Okay, yeah, there's plenty of room there. Uh, so why do you have to prepare a place? Um, all right, this is actually, this is wedding language in the ancient Near East. Now when, uh, now it's kind of weird. We don't do it like this. Uh, families all live together that you lived in your father's house, and the sons, the sons kind of lived on this, like, compound where they all lived together. I don't know how they did it. Uh, they had a lot of grace for one another. But when, when you got, when you're going to go get married, the son, yes, he would propose, but then he'd go back to his father's house, and he'd have to add an addition. And he'd build a place in his father's house where he and his wife could live. All right, 
extremely practical here. Once that was done, then, he'd come and he'd get the bride and bring her to his father's house. They'd have the wedding and they'd live there. All right, that's what Jesus Christ is doing. He's trying to convince us, okay, yes, yes, you are in this place. But Jesus Christ is coming to, he left to prepare a place for us. Not to abandon us, not to leave us in our sorrow, but to, to make a way to bring us out of it. Now, why does this matter to us? Why does this matter to us, especially as we engage with the mission of Jesus? All right, this place, this place is not our home. This is not the place we will be forever. This is not the place we are invested. All right, we are engaged people waiting to, to go to the Father's house to be with our, our groom. Now, that's where a lot of sorrow and trouble comes, and our hearts are tempted to despair because of the, like, the fact that we live here in this place. And we're kind of, we kind of live, live divided because we try to invest ourselves here and we try to make lives of, of comfort and meaning. We kind of create things that last, but the reality is this place is constantly perishing and undermining and, and sorrows are overtaking this place. And we're tempted to be troubled because if we are invested in this place, we are going to despair that nothing will last here, that this place isn't a place that lasts. Now, we can, we can let our hearts be troubled by that, or we can be reminded and believe that there is a place to come, that there is a place where, where there's no sorrow, there's no trouble, where chaos doesn't reign and, and things do not decay. I know that some of you here, you, you fight to belong here, and you fight to, to feel like this is the place for you. All right, in some sense, it's not. And if you fail of, of making a home here and making your way here, improving your, your name here, all right, by the grace of Jesus Christ, he's preparing a place, not, not for you to work towards, but to give to you as a gift. This is a gift of his grace. And as we are troubled and bogged down by making a place here, we can let go and say, you know what, Jesus Christ is preparing a place far better than I can ever build for myself. Now that's a freedom that lets us be on mission. That lets us be on mission here. We can say, you know what, I'm going to treat this like a mission field, not my home. That it's a temporary place to, to do the work that Jesus Christ has given to me, not to settle down that the things that are given by grace are, are given in Jesus. And a place is one of those things. Now, related to that, if he's prepared a place for us, he says, all right, if I've, if I've done that, I'm going to come back. If I went to all the work of preparing a place, I'm going to return. Verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also and you know the way to where I'm going. All right. If you build an addition onto your house, you're going to use it. <laughs> All right. If you're going to plan a wedding, uh, you're going to go make sure that the bride comes. 
All right, that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's preparing for the wedding. He's preparing a, a room in his father's house for us. All right, it's a lot of work. Thank, I, I, hate, I hate planning weddings. That was probably the worst, like, six months of my life was planning that stupid wedding. Uh, thankfully, Jesus does it. Jesus did it. I know, yeah, the groom is just supposed to show up. In this case, the bride just shows up. Thankfully, we just show up. We don't do any of the work. We, don't, uh, we submit to Jesus' sanctifying work, and we, we show up in the end. Now, if Jesus is committed to, to sanctifying us by his blood, if he's committed to, to going to build a place with us, to, to prepare the wedding for us, all right, he's going to come back. He came once for humiliation so that he could come and get his bride. He's not going to leave us here. That's what he's desperately trying to say. All right, believe in me. Believe in who I am and what I've done. Why would I go to all of this and then not come for my bride? Now, how is that a comfort to us as our hearts are, are tempted to be troubled. All right, I know that a lot of things that, that trouble us in this life uh, are, have to do with relationships and people and the interactions that we have. That they're, they're corrupted by sin in the world. Now, I know that all of us, all of us want better relationships. We want better spouses, we want better kids, we want better friends, we want better church, we want better family. Uh, and to be on mission means to, to actually have more difficult relationships than we would if we weren't on mission. That there are people in your life that you would want to cut out, but for the sake of Jesus and bearing your cross, you don't cut out and you, you include in your life. That we love our enemies, that we pray for those who persecute us, that we, we put ourselves before non-believers and try to convince them and, and talk to them about these things, uh, even though they may hate us. We, we love people who do not love us in return. We give mercy to those who, who think they deserve it or have no thanksgiving to offer. We're called to, to love and to die for the sake of other people. Now, if there is no second coming, if Jesus Christ has not come back, then this is cause for our hearts to be troubled. But what do we have behind all of that? We have this one who says, you know what? Jesus Christ wants to be with you, and you're going to be with him forever. The perfect relationship. And this is the one who is, all right, remember. Remember who Jesus is. He is first the, one of the, the God of all comfort. So we have these troubles and we have these relationships that we try to make work. We have people who die and who we love. And we will be with the one who is the God of all comfort, who wipes away every tear and doesn't just love us in wiping away every tear. He has the power to make sure that no tear will ever fall again. He can ensure that. He can make sure that it never happens. All right, we have the, the love of being with Jesus Christ. All right, this is the love of the one who, who did endure total humiliation for us. Who saw that we were sinners and saw that we could not have a relationship with him. And so what did he do? He came down and he lived the perfect life to give us. He died the perfect death to give us his death upon the cross, to wash us clean by his blood, to present us as his bride. 
in perfect holiness and splendor. And now we have this one who has made us perfect and delights in us and sings over us with, with, with singing. All right. That's this one we get to spend eternity with. This Jesus who desperately loves us. And who has proven that love over and over and over. He's coming to be with us. We have the joy of being with Jesus forever. All right, in saying that Jesus was, uh, the time here was his humiliation, uh, he can seem like kind of a downer. Yes. All right, like he's like, oh, he's he's suffering, and we're always talking about the cross. All right, but when he comes in glory, he comes in in, on the, the joy that he has, the joy of being with us, the, the joy of celebrating in his marriage. This is the one who is the, the author and perfecter of life. This is the one who created every good and perfect gift. This is the one who, who is joy himself that we get to enjoy for all eternity, who actually enjoys us and delights in us as we delight in him. All right. Don't let your heart be troubled. You'll be with Jesus forever. The joy of being with Jesus Christ, our love and our Savior, our King, our friend, that is what stands before us. And so we endure relationships that are less than perfect. We we endure for the sake of the kingdom. Oh, man. (laughs) The struggle. All right. Uh, Now, uh, if that sounds good, that sounds great. Uh, Thomas thinks that sounds really good, but uh, Thomas has some trouble with this. And we love Thomas because he has trouble with things, and that allows Jesus to, to speak into them. Now, Thomas says, you know, Jesus said, you know the way where I, uh, to where I am going. And Thomas has this natural response. Okay, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? All right, that's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, I've heard teaching that Jesus actually chooses his disciples because they are honest and they ask questions like this. That everyone has these questions. No one, no one understood Jesus, and so he chose the few that like would actually admit it and ask the question. Like the Pharisees, he didn't like them because they're they're fake, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know what I know what you mean," uh, but they didn't, and then they killed him because they they thought they knew what it meant. Uh, but Thomas asked the question uh, in the same vein. I like when you ask questions. No one had questions in the first service, and then they felt bad because I said that. But um, <laughs> I do like questions. You don't have to have them today. Don't feel any pressure. But um, it allows Jesus to speak. It allows him to speak into, into Thomas's life, into our life, and allows us to, to hear one of the great statements of our faith. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now first, that I am, I am the way. Now, this is where Thomas kind of got it, got it wrong. This is where we all tend to get it wrong. We think of, how do we get to heaven? How do we make these things a reality? Well, we have to get there. And this is a path of, of things to do and a road to walk. And what is Jesus saying? No, it's not. 
it's not a map that you need. It's not a, it's not a trajectory. It's not, it's not directions. What is it? It's a person. The way is a person. And the way is Jesus Christ. How do you get there? You believe in the person who doesn't invite you to come. He doesn't invite you, yeah, come up here, and if you can make it, if you sustain yourself long enough, you'll get here. No, what does he say? He said it earlier. Thomas missed it. No, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to be the way, and I'm going to bring you to where I am. All right, Jesus started that by, by Christmas, by coming down. He came down to get us, not to invite us up. That he gave us his perfect life. He gave us the death upon the cross. He washed us clean so that we could come. He clothed us, clothed us with, with the wedding clothes that we needed, perfect righteousness. And in the end, we get there because the way came and got us. That is the grace of Jesus Christ. That is the love of Jesus Christ. That's where we put our faith. Not in ourselves, but in him. Not in our keeping of the law. Not in our ability to, to make a life for ourselves here. But in, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, who is going to come and get us in the end. Come down, reach down into the, into the darkness and the brokenness, and bring us up. Jesus Christ is the way. Now, this passage is often used as a defense against saying that there's any other way to get to God. Now, that's true. And it's true because, all right, from what we've talked about, okay, are there other ways to get to heaven? Well, if heaven is the, the bride and groom together in the Father's house, all right, how could we get there but by marrying the Son? That's, that's, the, that's how we get there. We get there because Jesus Christ comes down and, and, and chooses us and reaches and gives his life, gives his purchase and perfect righteousness to us. Jesus is the only way because you can't get there on your own. You cannot get there on, you will not get there on your own. And the fact that he is, he is the way, not that he shows us the way. Every other religion shows us the way. Shows us a way to get to God a path that we need to walk, a, a sacrifices we need to, to endure. But no, Jesus Christ is the way. He made the way. He does the work. All right, we don't say that Jesus Christ is the only way in this kind of arrogant, yeah, you're wrong and I'm right. No, we say it because we desperately couldn't make it ourselves. And anyone who says that we could make it ourselves, they don't realize how sinful we really are. The best defense for someone like, oh, we're all going to make it. Like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it to heaven because I am too sinful, and I need Jesus to be the way. Now, he's also, he's also the truth. He is the truth. We've talked about the walking in the light. He is, he is the, the truth that illuminates everything in this life. And the fact that he's going to come, that should illuminate the mission that we have that we see this life in light of its, its temporary nature, in the opportunity to, to share about Jesus and share about his glory and his, his majesty, to give people that reality that he is the way. We let the truth of his second coming govern our whole lives. 
if we let that truth really saturate deep into our lives, then we will be on mission because we'll understand what life is about. We'll understand how beautiful Jesus really is, the glories of the things that are to come. This life will start to pale in comparison. Now, if you're looking for truth, if those truths aren't connected to Jesus, then they're not full truths. If they're not connected to Jesus coming again, if they have no relation to those things, yeah, they may be true in one sense, but they're not true in the full sense. Look for the truth that has, is connected to Jesus. Finally, Jesus is the life. He is the life. All right. The law is not life. This world is not life. The things that you knew do or not life. Jesus Christ is life. And if you're connected to this life, then you can die and you can sacrifice and you can give things up and you'll actually end up with more life in the end because you're more connected to Jesus. If there are pockets in this life that, that are devoid of Jesus, those things will only bring despair and grief in the end. That's what it means for Jesus to be life. Please do not go into the world looking for life. Go to Jesus looking for life. All right. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Do not let your hearts be troubled. All right. Fight to believe this. Fight to not let your hearts be troubled. By believing these things are real. By believing that they're true. By believing in Jesus Christ. Now, as a temporary kind of application, as you think about uh, your New Year's resolutions, all right, put them in light of this. What does this call you to do? Oftentimes, these New Year's, they're just like a call to seek the world as, as the life and the way and the truth. Now, how can you engage with Jesus Christ? How can you engage with the second coming? But holistically, as, as you look at your life, are you living in these things? Are you able to see Jesus clearly? Are you longing for his coming? Are you enjoying these promises? Are you trusting that this is what he's going to do? <laughs> having fun back there. Man. Uh, sorry, guys. We don't get to be in the nursery. Uh, all right. And that's what I tell you because I, I need to hear this. Jesus Christ is going to come again. He came once, and he's coming again. And he will consummate every joy. He will make real every hope that is in him. He will fulfill every promise. Let's live like that is real. And let's be on mission telling people about the glories of Jesus. Let's worship, and let's praise, and let's celebrate Jesus until he comes. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Leah? Sounds good. Right. Right, right. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yes. All right. Uh, well, let, let me let me talk out some some concepts, and I'll I'll see if that yeah that clarifies some things. All right. Uh, yes. Earth is our. Uh, so we had questions about heaven and earth, and are we leaving earth, or is heaven coming down? All those questions. All right. Uh, yes. Earth is our home. Uh, and what is heaven? Heaven is when uh, the things that are real in the domain and kingdom of of Jesus are real on this earth. All right, so that, that's when heaven actually happens. And so the, the hope is not, our home is not to, to go up there and get out of this dumb place. All right, that is not our goal. And that's not why we're so excited, because we hate it here. Um, that is, we're going to go up there, and we're going to wait for the real true heaven to come. We're going to go up there and wait for the day of the Lord. That's where the day of the Lord is, is really important. And when the day of the Lord comes, the, the reign of God and the justice of God and the perfection of God and all that that, that place is now is going to come here and redeem the earth. And all of this is going to be perfect. And yes, we're supposed to be on the earth and we'll be, it'll be heaven on earth. Heaven and earth come together, the new Jerusalem coming down. That mansion that Jesus was talking about, it doesn't stay up there. It comes down. That's the new Jerusalem coming down, and we will dwell with him here in a redeemed and perfect world. That's, that's, that's our home. Um, so this is, not, this is not saying, well, uh, let's just destroy the earth and it'll burn up anyway. No, it's a, we're waiting for that day when Jesus Christ will come and will restore everything and the world will be as it should be. Does that sort of answer your question, Leah? Right. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. When is the last resting? Oh, when is it? No. <laughs> Please don't ask that. People really get stuck on this idea that Jesus says, you know, you can't get to the Father except through Okay. And it, it brings up this questions about people who never who live their entire lives never hearing a lesson uh, that he's the way. Right. Sincere people, people like Cornelius, who before he met Jesus, feared God, he gave to the poor, he prayed to God. And so a lot of people are just wondering, well, what do you do with these people that generally want to know God, but they've never heard of Jesus, and they live and die without hearing right. that truth? Right. All right. Dan, killing me. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, that's that's where I'm sticking by. That you you have to, we have to know Jesus, and He is the only way. And I think that the sorrow of that is not well. God dropped the ball. No, the the sorrow of that is the church dropped the ball. That we had this mission, 
and we are called to go, and we are called to, to tell the world and reach all people with, the, with nothing but Jesus. And if people don't hear it, then we have, we have neglected the mission. All right, this is not, that, that is not time to point our finger at God and say he's bad. No, it's called to, it's called to say, hey, let's rally the troops and let's, let's really do it. That, that, that's our calling. This really is a mission passage because of that. There's a lot more I could say about that, um, a ton more, but I'll, I'll leave it at that just because for time's sake and theology's sake. Any other questions? Yeah, yep. No, that's a long story. I tell you, I had a week to I had a week to do it. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk about that now. <laughs> we can we can talk about it. it was, yeah, she demanded. She said she didn't care about the wedding. She cared about the proposal. And her dad wouldn't uh, her dad wouldn't say that I could marry her until I like laid out the whole plan. And he's like, "Yes, that's good enough." So uh, the, just a little context. So. It, I'm not a romantic. She demanded it, and I, I, I jumped through the hoops to get it done um, with a lot of help. So let's, let's pray. <laughs> uh, Father, we thank you that Jesus is coming. We thank you that we get to be his, uh, his bride. We thank you that there is a place prepared for us that is far better than this place. We thank you that all things will be redeemed, not just destroyed. We thank you that we are redeemed and not destroyed. Father, we recognize that Many of our troubles and our sorrows come from our own sin. And they come from our love and our idolatry of, of other things in this world and, and our own righteousness. And Father, I ask that these things would pass away, that we would love Jesus, and that we'd be more excited about being with him than anything else. And Father, that we would long for others to hear about him, to hear about what he's done, to hear that he is the way that they may live in that truth, that they may walk in that light. Father, would you give us great joy in the mission of Jesus Christ? Because we long for him to get all the glory. We pray in Jesus Christ's name.